Welcome to the Digital Forester Podcast, where we talk to foresters about how they are using digital technologies in their day-to-day forestry work. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Digital Forester Podcast. Today, I am joined by Ole Gellin. He's the CEO of Air Forestry. Ole, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I think our listeners are going to be as well, because we're going to touch on uh, drones, we're going to touch on thinning, we're going to touch on robotics, some automation, maybe something of a flavor we haven't had on the podcast yet. But before we go there, um, uh, it's customary for our, our, our guests to introduce themselves and how they got into forestry. And I know looking at your LinkedIn profile, there's a rich background in terms of the work you've done. But maybe in terms of that that starting point, was it you know, as a child wandering, you know, the forests of Sweden, or or what was it that got you into forestry? Maybe share your story. Yes, I grew up on a farm outside uh, Uppsala. It's close to Stockholm region. And so uh, when I was a kid, I was sitting in a farm tractor and uh, plowing and and doing fields and uh, two farms in Sweden usually comes with a lot of forest also. Uh, so I've been in the forest from, from young age, uh, helping my grandpa, my father in the forest uh, by doing uh, thinning by manual for hands. And so there was a start, but also on my mother's side, my grandpa on my mother's side was a feller professional for one of the biggest forest companies in Sweden uh, until he retired. So, so I have forestry in my... <laughs> from childhood all the way up so yeah so, that's amazing so it's in your blood is what you're saying yeah absolutely i've always been uh interesting in in things how, managing and uh, uh, and see stuff growing and taking care of nature and uh, make the best of it and make it beautiful so that's have uh, been an interesting all my life yeah for sure so did you know that you wanted to study forestry while you were growing up was that just a logical thing watching your parents and and living on a farm and growing up with trees, was that just a natural next step? Yeah, so, so basically when, when I reached the age of when you will choose school, uh, farming in Sweden was really difficult to make any, any money on. It was hard, hard to get, uh, get economics in a farm around. So basically my family actually quit to farming and rent out the land for bigger farm farmers uh, that have better capacity. And so uh, I was, well, okay, what, what shall I do now when I not can keep do it, be a farmer? So I actually starting into studying mechanical engineering in mechatronics. Uh, so that's my, my, my degree. So, uh, so I start my career at, at Scania Trucks. It's a big truck company and with hybrid development. Uh, but then I got offer from from my family to 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 move back to the farm and and, and keep keep running it uh, with the forest and keep renting out the lands and and so on. Uh, and then I need to do go back uh, to 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 my hometown again. And at the mo- that moment, uh, the Swedish Research Institute have a position out for for an engineer to restart uh, their technical initiative or research on how to make forest machine more efficient, more gentle towards uh, forest and soil and also human beings. So I started on on, our, uh, on, on this, this Swedish research institute uh, for like 10 years ago. And uh, so I, I'm, I run a lot of interesting pro- projects towards forest machine in, in, 
in Skogforsk, so it's yeah. called. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then we'll, we'll dive into some of those projects as there's, you know, as we talked about forest machines, different type of digital technology, if you will. So for our listeners, so as the host of the podcast, I always get to ask the really quote unquote dumb questions, but, um, and I blame the listeners. So I always say, you know, our, for our listeners uh, benefit, but really it's for me, I'm going to assume Mechatronics is, has nothing to do with Transformers and the Decepticons and Autobots. So maybe for our listeners, can you explain what mecha- the field of study of Mechatronics is? Yeah, so basically you can say it's the transition between a computer and programming and mechanical movement, uh, moving something like a hydraulic cylinder on an electrical engine and making it perform a task uh, to to do a certain uh, task. Uh, So that's that's, that's the uh, thing, something between the computer and the mechanical interface and how to connect these two. Uh, it's uh, what mechatronics is about, more or less. Okay, very so it's a cool. lot of programming. It's a much understanding mechanical phenomena and how to utilize that in, in a product or a solution. For sure, for sure. So definitely interesting. So you are a digital forester by design and training, because if you're in engineering, coding, or that forest engineering, you're very technical by default. Out of curiosity, the family land base, how many hectares is... Uh, as you say, you're renting out. Is that is it a big, big property or? Yeah, it's a uh, hundred hectares uh, of, of land. Uh, so it's basically like thirty-five hectares of farmland uh, for crops growing, and the rest is uh, forest. Uh, so Very it's cool. a fair amount uh, yeah. to to take care of. <laughs> and I try to do so much. As I try to do so much as possible by myself because I, I, I say it's my natural gym, gym, so I can go out and exercise my my body and, and doing some good in the forest and create values. Um, as, yeah. As, yeah. Meanwhile, so that's great. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into air forestry a little bit more, I, I know in your LinkedIn profile you mentioned you work for Scania and Skoog's Fork. I always get it. I think I get closer and closer to say that even though in English, it's like, we all say it's like Squeaks Fork or something. And and the Swedes are like, oh, it's Squeaks Fork. And it's like four or something and research. And one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll become fluent and be able to say it properly. Uh, but there was a project you mentioned in your LinkedIn profile around auto two and around force machine and digitalization, like share, share, share what that project was about and maybe what you learned from it and, and your role in, in creating innovation through that project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so basically the Auto2 project is um, an initiative that actually I'm, I'm behind. Uh, so I, I was at, at Skogforsk, we, we saw that um, the traditional machines had so much more to perform if they uh, increased at automation levels. Uh, so we did studying on, on operators and, and machines in, in, in some stands. And we could see, like, if the the operator, if if it's a good operator, it's a well, well maintained and trimmed machine, uh, they can produce like hundred percent more than the average operator do in day to day work. And that means there are an upside if you or can automatize more functions, so the operator can be more alert and, and running on a higher level the day all all day through, not for a short period of time. So that's one reason, but also. Uh, to make make uh, the forestry more productive and more uh, 
more energy efficient, we can see if we increase atomization, it's easy to make electrification. It's also so lots of benefits comes with atomizations. So basically what we did in this project was looking at how, what is the key driver to make atomization more possible in the forest. So the project was divided in like three main components. It was like auto drive, try to auto navigate in a forest from A to B. That was like one. Uh, and the other one was like safety. How can we perform safety tasks in the, in the, in the machine? So if, if we've not have the safety, we cannot go to atomization. We need to have these first almost. So we did a, a lot of work with regulations on atomization. How can we perform people detection in the forest and so on. And, and the third main package was remote control or, um, or teleoperation to, to sit uh, on other location. Because I think the first step towards like driverless machines or say, uh, or like removing the operator and put them like in a cabin or on a roadside with much better working environment without vibration, without noise, without risk of falling from the machines, no falling objects, uh, hazards and so on. So that's like the first step. And then you can add atomization function and in, in the future, the machine can go to more full atomization. Um, and on top of that, you're working with the safety futures. So that was Very like cool. the, the basic, uh, how, how we initiated and run this project. And it, the project have been really amazing. There's lots of outcomes coming out from this project. And in, in some sense, also Air Forestry are a spin-off in that sense also, because I realized how hard it is actually to, to navigate and drive autonomously on the forest floor. So it Absolutely. was easier to go up in the air. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, maybe that's a, a good segue and we'll, we'll maybe bounce around from the future, the present, the past, um, because there's an interesting story there all around. So I know when um, uh, like I, 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 I have a Tesla and, and it's a smart, I say it's like driving my smartphone with four wheels on it. It's a smart car. Whenever there's something wrong, it'll just do an over the air update. And, you know, some folks have asked me, it's like, uh, you know, are, would you be worried about an autonomous feller buncher or a harvester and i said well yes and no like on one end you have this cutting saw um right but the flip side there's not that many people out there and i said well i probably would not still be very close to that machine if it was fully autonomous or even teleops for that matter and then lo and behold i'm talking to somebody and say oh have you heard about the air forestry people and they've got a drone with a you know a processor or, or if that's the right jargon i'll get you to explain it and then so I went from the, oh, well, now I'm really not worried about the autonomous feller buncher or harvesters. I'm going to worry about that, you know, drone flying around with a processor. It's like swinging around. You know, I'm, I'm of course, joking. Uh, we'll get you to explain it some more. But I was like, wow, this is kind of now next level. You know, the Amazon's doing packages and whatnot and then bleeding into forestry. But I love the fact that you said, you know, from that research experience, that operational experience, um, you you realize like this is a really hard space. And I think a lot of people fail to understand that forestry is like a lot of people just think forestry is so easy. It's like you're mm -hmm. just doing that. Uh, and I still argue it's one of the most complex environments in the world to actually operate. So maybe with air forestry, uh, I know doing a bit of research, because again, I, I, I'm, I was really curious to learn more about this. And I'm excited about this conversation. And now I know in the, the webpage, it talks about 
uh, Marcus and Moritz coming together at one point, there was a connection and then you came on board and it was around September, 2019 and then January, 2020 that Air Forestry launched, but maybe uh, first describe who Air Forestry is and then the genesis, what that spark is. Cause it's always amazing with founders, how they come together. There's always like a bit of magic mm-hmm. that happens before the business takes off, but introduce us to Air Forestry and how, how it came to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So basically what, what Air Forestry is doing is like more or less, we, we say we reinvent the forestry uh, and by doing it from the air with high capacity drones, we are enabling, uh, thinning out and removing trees from uh, the air with a drone. And, and the idea, as you mentioned, that Morris and Marcus, my co-founders, uh, they met, met first on a, um, a breakfast event where people come together from all uh, different branches. Um, and uh, Martz is like a flight expert. He have initiated a big project in Sweden by aviation, electric aviation project, uh, and have done research in electrical drive trains and how efficient it is to fly by batteries. Uh, and also have a background on leader development at uh, Vionier. Autoliv is a huge uh, part component manufacturing for, for the automotive industry. So I have a really good background in, in sensing also. Uh, and, and, and Marcus, he, he joined this uh, event uh, with a background from dry, building up a production unit in agriculture and nature conservation um, and uh, have have really good in, in business and strategic and understanding the production unit, how, how production unit would look like. So these two started looking into the agriculture as Marcus was coming from the agriculture side more, but these see a uh, huge challenges in the agriculture. It's like event-based. Uh, it's, the, it's the spring, it's the harvest. Uh, so they couldn't find a, a spot where the drone can fit and you can have operation and build an organization around the drone. So there's, um, okay, what other aerial uh, business are there where you have more to, 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 uh, 365 uh, days work? And it's, we have forest. Um, we Google persons uh, that works with electrification, optimization, and like our, or, or in that in forest, and my name come up really high in this Google search. So they reach out to me, come by and present like, okay, we can build a drone that can fly so much more energy efficient that is actually, then you can drive on the forest floor. I say, okay, you can also mean you can fly with so little energy usage. And they say, yeah. And we can lift like that, like they said, the drones are like two, four, four, five, six hundred kilos. And so it's okay, but a log can, wait much more than just that. Uh, so we need to approach this from another angle. So I, I just did a, a, a sketch on a napkin on like, yeah, I mean, can we harvest smaller trees like in a first commercial thinning operations by just attaching a tool on the tree top and just the limb it and cut the tree and lift the complete tree outside. Then we removed so much all other machine complexity. And, and after they left the room, they come back and say, do you want to found a company with us? <laughs> <laughs> and from that napkin sketch, actually, we build all all this uh, amazing um, technology that we have today, and 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 today we have an amazing journey uh, behind and in front of us also, based on wow. that uh, sketch on harvest increase from from with the drone in one cycle in one moment in with one drone system. Wow! Wow! So a napkin 
three of you, you know, draw whiteboarding on a napkin. Love it. And like so many great ideas come from that napkin, whether it's coffee or lunch or actually it was a whiteboard, but it's like the napkin. It was like yeah, it's a quick quick sketch on a on, on a whiteboard. So, so yeah, it's, it's, yes, yeah, right. amazing. So so I, I'm still blown away. So what you're saying is you got a drone that flies around, picks a tree, delimbs it, cuts it, and airlifts it out. Yes, correct. Wow, that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty amazing, actually. So, so I know our listeners. There's a lot of uh, UAV, UAS, drone nerds, whatever label they want to go by. And I'm sure they're all you know ask these questions. So I'm just going to rapid fire some questions because it's a fascinating um, story here. And I know in some of your slogans, you know, like thinning with electric drones or like fossil free thinning, like very powerful taglines that really captures mm -hmm. what you're doing. The drone. So tell me about this. This is, I'm assuming this is not a, uh, a DJI drone you buy from the local hardware store. So maybe tell me about what this, this thing is. Is it small? Obviously not small if it's doing what it's doing, but, but what is this thing? Is it like the size of my car? Is it like it's custom? I'm assuming, uh, tell me about the drone first and then we'll go into the actual, whatever we call a processor head that's doing its magic yeah, from uh, above. Yeah. So basically we saw that there are no other drone manufacturers on the market that produces drones for this purpose. Uh, so, and with the skills in our team, and uh, we could say we can do it by ourselves, really efficient and fast. So we have we actually have built like four or five drones with this design concept that we are, are now, uh, but in, in smaller scales. Uh, but now we have the final uh, concept ready for, for, for the big drone. And the drone is 6.2 meters in, in diameter it's from, from one side to another six meters. Uh, but, and and it has special features also. We tilt the drone blades. That means that we can actually traverse in sideways but without tilting the drones. Uh, so this is also oh. a special feature that we have. So we can, we can handling the load and dynamic forces much better than the traditional drone design does. Uh, so that's something special we have built in in, in in our drone system. Very cool. Um, so, and, and yes. so I, I assume it's more than it's not like a quadcopter. It's 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 multi rotor. I I don't yeah, even exactly. know if I'm using it's, the right uh, jargon. Exactly. So it's uh, six uh, rotor blades on this one, and and that's it's because of this design. We need to have six at least six to to make it go in sideways without tilting the drones. Uh, so Very that's cool. correct. It's six rotors, uh, and that means also we get a nice redundance uh, in in the system. Also, if one propeller or drivetrain breaks, we can still fly with the drone. Right, right. So at six point two meters, this is a big drone. Um, often we hear you, you know the the consumer market drone or even consumer you know flight times around forty five minutes to an hour. So I'm assuming this this thing is got some serious battery juice and engineering to be efficient. So how long can this thing stay in the air before not even harvesting or thinning, I should say, but how long can it stay just in flight if it wasn't, wasn't doing any thinning operations? Today, the battery has a flight time uh, up to 30 minutes uh, empty. And, and during operation, we plan to have like 15 minutes with the battery design we have today. But as we see the components get lighter and everything gets smoother, so the batteries can shrink or increase uh, the flight time. So we can also design a drone that can fly for longer time. But the, the nice thing with this system is that we go 
out to the forest and back to the roadside, we'll have the possibilities to charge or change battery really quick. So that means that wow. it's distance to fly out to the forest and pick a tree and back. It's like this, the battery you actually need uh, on the drone. Uh, wow. Then you can make a swap. So that's wow. that's make so, so the battery requirements are not like a, so important that we have long flight time on this machine. Interesting, interesting. So I know doing my own research as the mm. podcast host, Air Force, we did a, a partnership or maybe a trial with. Uh, uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, Vanderfall battery battery uh, power as a service. Uh, Va- Vattenfall, yes. I'm probably pronouncing Yeah, Vattenfall, it. exactly. It's a Swedish uh, power distributor, uh, a big power money um, creator and, and distributor here in, in Scandinavia. So uh, so they, they have a solution like a, a power as a solution. Uh, so today we rent a mobile battery that we have on a trailer that we, after the day in the forest, we bring back and recharge it on my solar roof that I have. And then we can bring it out back out in the forest uh, the next day and powering the drone system and the operating stations. Uh, wow. so that's how the solution will look like in the future also, but with a bigger battery. So we, we plan for a transportation service that comes out with a, with a charge battery, a grid battery and on a, a container solutions that provide electricity for, for the drone system in the field. Very cool. So when you say fossil free thinning, you guys are really walking the walk with batteries out there. So when you mentioned the drone coming back and to swap it, because again, 15 minutes, you know, while you're doing um operations is this really like a quick swap like or is it fancy that the drone is like a tesla rocket that can reverse land it comes and switches its own batteries out or is it a manual just hot swap a new battery in and off it off it goes what does that workflow look like we need we need to make it autom- uh, automation uh, so you swap battery out autonomously so the drones go in and just swap the battery by itself uh that's, wow, that's the target cool. Very, but very we also cool. can see that we can, uh, one solution is actually to far, fast charge the batteries also, because we go from battery to battery, so we don't have the grid, um, the grid limitations you have in the electrical grid. So we can actually fast charge maybe like four, four or five minutes and fly f- 10, 15 minutes and then so, so on. Yeah, uh, very cool. Very cool. So battery management becomes uh, important in this, this world. Okay, so 6.2 meter uh, drone going out now now this thing grabs the top of the tree that it needs to thin and delims from top to bottom and then cuts it at at the stump so is this a, a thing you bought off the market or is this again air forestry yeah. engineering magic that built this this thing yeah exactly it's the, it's the same story with, with the harvesting head uh, we looked around like no the the, the like harvesting had go from like 800 kilos and upward more or less you can find little easier uh, lighter uh, harvesting uh, heads uh, for like uh, more more private uh, forestry by with tractors uh, but uh, so we said no one have done an electrical harvesting head that only weighed 60 kilos so yeah. why it's best if you do it by yourself also so uh, so today we have built like a, a bunch of harvesting two heads uh, with def- different type of functions and and try them out from from a mobile crane today so we are harvesting trees from a crane with a drone uh, sim- simulation on the uh, interface yes um, yes very so, cool so we are so so did it go flawlessly from day one uli i'm assuming there's maybe version 0.1, 0.2, you know, a bit of trial and error, uh, maybe share some uh, 
funny stories in terms of early prototypes. Did it go? Did it go smoothly as planned, or was there some speed bumps, as I like to call it? Exactly. I actually, it's, I've got, got gone really well, really from start. As, as I, we put together the first tool, like it was weight, I think, twenty-five or thirty kilos, it, with, without any engines or motors, uh, no cutting blades, just knives, and uh, you can more or less adjust it manual. And I bring it up in there and see it's like, hey, if you have 30 kilos and put knives underneath and drop it over a tree, it, the, the branches will fall off. It's like, okay, you will not drop this on your feet because then you don't have any feet left. And that's only weight like 30 kilos. Uh, so that was the thing. And, and, and the main, main like risk we saw like okay if you are touched on the treetop the treetop will break and the tool will fall down but it was like okay the treetop is really stiff and it's hold this tool and, and you can bend it a lot and then we're okay this 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 will maybe work it was really early phase in direct in the beginning we started these trials uh, so from that we have just added functionality by the cutting blade, the feed rollers uh, to make help it get speeds in the beginning, and also moving the log in in the harvesting head for for cutting it in pieces and so on, uh, and also work with all other types of functions. So, so so basically no one no one yet have tried to harvest increase from above in the, this sense that we do. So 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 we said like no one else knows this better than we so why not do it by ourselves yeah yeah that's an, that's incredible so 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 thinking of you know in canada and the us and then i, I can only speak to the north america jurisdiction but when we think about drones safety is obviously paramount and um, we hear about uh, flights you know that are line of sight and then some that are beyond visual line of sight i guess that 15 meter uh, 50 meters 15 minute runs while you're thinning, you're not really going long range beyond visual line of sight. You're kind of in that um, uh, line of sight range. But I'm curious in Sweden, what are the drone regulations uh, like? Was it easy to get? What did you need any permits to do this? Because again, as you're describing this, most people are like, okay, you're flying a drone. It's what is it doing? You know, the risks of crash. And then meanwhile, we're talking about knives and, you know, like rollers and, you know, stuff. So I'm just curious, like, what are the, the rules like in Sweden? And was it an easy process to get the, to meet the safety and certifications or regulations that you needed to, to even do your trials? Uh, yes, absolutely. We have, we have, we got a permit from the Swedish transport agency uh, and it still took a lot of effort. And uh, already from the beginning, we saw that if we will succeed with this, we need to work with the safety and, and all this stuff from the beginning and building in, in, in building it into the organization and the culture in the company. Uh, so, so that's the basic and, and it's a long process to get a permit to fly this type of drones. Uh, but when you have the permit, uh, it's more easier to uh, to add on uh, modules on the permit for like fly beyond the visual line of sight. It's also easier to like add on like extra weights and also permits. Uh, so today we ha today we have a permit to fly in Sweden, uh, but in Europe we have the same regulation foundation. That means that if we have a permit in Sweden, it's easy to for us to expand in other European countries. Uh, and and due to the way we have this uh, permit system in Europe that are similar to the Northern America and Canada, so we see that we 
have a kind of smooth transition to 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 come to Canada, for example, and and perform commercial singing from there with with these drones. Very cool. Very cool. So so where are so I guess I'm I'm thinking of what Air Force is doing, and in my 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 simple brain uh, to thin the trees, you need to know which trees to thin. So maybe for our listeners, how, what does that world look like? Are we into basic GIS? Someone uh, is going out and 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 doing checks on the ground with their boots again. Uh, no carbon at play. Good old sweat equity and and boots. What what what's that piece look like? Uh, I think in in some markets uh, maybe people will like stamp the tree from the ground with like a GPS coordinate that I would like to save or remove this tree uh, with like a, a special uh, toy or some a pen or something you can mark the trees with. Uh, but, uh, but but for example, in the Scandinavian forest, no one go out and like marks trees today. It's the machine operator that selects the tree, and he need to be quick in decisions. You need to have one tree in, in the in the harvesting head each minute uh, to be profitable. And uh, so it's a lot of the random uh, that making the decisions today in the forest. Uh, he, he, he just sweeps and make a fast glimpse like, oh yeah, this tree is kind of straight. So uh, probably good timber quality in the future and it's look healthy in the, in the top. And then I, and then I maybe save that and go for a rest around, but not paying so much attention and effort in like really selecting the best trees. So we think we can actually do it much better from above in that sense that you would like to keep the trees with the best uh, possibilities to enable future growth uh, by looking at how much uh, fir needles and uh, leaf there are on the tree and promote these trees that have a good motor and engine to store carbon and uh, accumulate it in, in the timber, uh, let's say. Um, and so that's like the basic permits. We look at the, the, these, these trees that have the best possibilities to survive and create more timber they would these we will save but of course you would like to know the stem form so you can promote and we can see that we can actually look through the canopy a little bit by leaders secondary echo and get a hinge at least of what type of shape we have on the trunk interesting yeah. interesting interesting so for those who don't know me it's like i'm generally pretty quick at connecting the dots so what i'm hearing at some point air forestry and you don't have to say yes or no as opposed to this is just me speculating but at some point maybe air forestry is going to have some remote sensing capabilities maybe some ai capabilities to do vision mm -hmm. and automatically determine what tree is the best candidate to be be thin that that's that's amazing um in all honesty like like fascinating to think of a world that way and so thinking of that, what, what has been the Scandinavian force industry response to the vision that Air Forestry has, has presented? It sounds like there's still some work to be done. You know, there's lots of cool engineering, you know, get mm -hmm. to a higher technology readiness level. But how has the industry embraced the, the vision? Have they come full steam behind or, or do you have the, the harvester community or contractors going like, like, what the heck? It's like, you know, if you do that, then what about our jobs? You know, like what, what has the, what has the industry said so far? Yeah. But the industry was really like, wow, what, 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 what a next step in at, at least the thinning operation, because today the thinning operation is like little behind in some, in the development, uh, they're not focusing the machine manufacturer are not focusing so much on sending machines so 
and, and today the need to take up this strip road or access roads to, uh, to access the forest, the need to cut down more than 20% of the young forest to reach the forests. Um, uh, and, and just by looking on that, the extra growth that we enable in the forest companies uh, a lot. Uh, and that, that adds value to the forest owner and the for future forests. And on top of that, we don't uh, destroy the forest for lower forest soil and roads, uh, creating more healthy and more vital forests uh, for a future more, more drought, uh, more windier climate, so we have a more resilient forest against insects, uh, storms and droughts and so on. So that's this means that we create a more resilient forest for the forest owners. So, so it's a good investment for them. So they are really backing up this system. And we have uh, a collaboration with the biggest forest owner in, in Europe, uh, Svea Skog, that owns 4 million hectares of forests. Uh, so they are our partner with us today and they are following our development and helping us with uh, test forests uh, next to our office where we are. Uh, sitting, so we have really, really, really close to forest to to try in yeah, and develop yeah. the system. Yeah, it does. It doesn't hurt having a champion uh, like Siasco to back you and, and provide validation sure. that the future could look look this way. I'm curious with the digital forester, like like this is pretty cool. Like we're talking about drone, you know, we're implicitly talking about GNSS because you need to know where that drone is. We're talking about, you know, like mm -hmm. harvesting heads, even though they're not on a traditional machine, like, like mind is blown from this guy here. Uh, thinking about where you want to go next, what are some of those technologies that you're excited in your CEO role and doing your strategy and looking forward? What does the next, you know, six months, year to maybe three years look like? Look like? Because I'm getting the sense that uh, Air Force is moving very quick. It's doing a lot of engineering prototyping. You've got it to a stage where it's ready for more maybe intensive trials, and you're solving that uh, power management side with infield battery recharge. But what are there any technologies that that are still missing that you need to address, or or what is the thing that gets you excited um, over the next six month, uh, one year time frame? Yeah, so basically, I, I'm really like seeing that the future comes with possibilities. Uh, it's like my, my uh, key driver. I, I see like there are only possibilities and opportunities in the future, and that's making me excited. And what's happening with my research earlier and what's have come together is all these uh, different type of techniques and fields that have come together like drone technology is proven and and working uh, atomization ii uh, picture recognition uh, and these works batteries are really efficient now getting down in price uh, so all these have like getting to one singularity point where where have enabling uh, these uh, drone harvester uh, to to become to live so so so, I, so from my point of view all, all necessary elements are, are already in place to make this system working actually in, in operation. Uh, so Very now it's cool. just a matter of engineering to make, make an integration of all these type of techniques. Yeah, I, I love how you say that as an as a, someone trained as an engineer. Oh, it's easy. It's just engineering at this point. You know, the rest of us are probably like, oh, I don't even know where to start or how to like get all this stuff going. So so super cool to uh to, to hear. So maybe in the air forestry journey, um, looking further out, paint the 
picture like i know like if we're listening to the words carefully right like obviously we climate we're talking about climate without even talking about climate because we're invoking uh fossil fuels uh, the reduction mm -hmm. or elimination of fossil fuels at least for thinning operations and then we think about other things you've said clearly there's a green component or a climate tech component um you know as i'm listening carefully stitching mm -hmm. what the vision or strategy uh, could be for you like i i can already see a path forward but thinking maybe five years, 10 years, what is what does the world look like from Air Force receipt? Is it every operations has a battery wall or unit in the field? And then, you know, Air Force technology is deployed and doing thinning operations and it's all autonomous because it's driven by AI. It's it, and you don't even need to train it. It knows, you know, I'm just going to use vision to figure out what needs to be thin and off we go. What is that, that, that maybe not 10 year, but maybe that five year vision look for air forestry. What's the world look like from your seat? I mean, in five years from now, we will see that we have uh, uh, operating stations in, in, in service um, uh, a lot. And as you say, uh, we probably have no, not, not every function already you guys can like make all decision by itself, but it will be fairly uh, autonomously uh, operating. But we, we still aim to have like two operators uh, in the field to, to run these systems. Um, and, and why we choose two operators is we will we will we will move away from like solidary work in the forest uh, because we see that it's so much risk to be alone in the forest with bad seller uh, mobile connections uh, going out just on the roads to the operating station is is a dangerous trip uh, in these really rarely trafficked uh, roads that they are so we will see like two and and these these main task that you have is like this look look for the drone station that it works safety are in place uh, the maintenance uh, and also looking at the quality of the work the drones doing uh, and sometimes maybe helping a drone to to, to, to do some decisions also uh, and and you ask also like in another question like how how contractors look on our systems and and i know a lot of contractors in, in sweden at least have Digital to find operators to, to drive their machines uh, due to long hours out in the field. You never really know if you're going to get back home in time because if something breaks down and so on. Uh, and we can see that we can make a more better working environment in these cabins uh, and the roadside. It's easier. To, uh, and also this full body vibration is it's easier maybe to attract a new generation of forest workers for this type of system. We did sets, I will say like, I, I think the traditional machines wheelbase will be there. So if people that will work in the machine, it will still be work for them. Uh, but I think just for the scening operation, it's really demanding work. And I think they have hard time today to find good persons that were willing to work in these type of conditions. So, yeah. so for the contractors I've talked to in Sweden, they say, oh, oh, okay, when can I operate an air forestry system? Uh, um, because they see yeah. a potential to find people and, and make, make a better work and a better, better service with an air forestry system. Yeah, very um, cool, very cool. So, you know, even more levers, like, like value proposition, right? Like we, we've uh, heard time and time again, anywhere in the world, that workforce, whether the older workforce, uh, you know, retiring um, and not being able to replace it. Interesting. I think that's a broader issue. I'm still trying to understand why 
the young minds aren't coming into forestry, like what, what is causing that across the globe? But the flip side is when you describe that, I, I sit there laughing because I know so many young teenagers that love to fly drones, right? It's like a game to them. And then in some respects, you know, hey, do you want to get paid to fly a drone as your job? And you can game it. Like if you thin more trees than Ule, then you're going to get more points and more money. It's like, it's kind of this funny scenario where it's like, wow, it, it really could work, right? And, and tap into a different workforce. So that that's very cool. So so thinking of uh, a couple last questions, you know, as, as we go forward from the business model point of view, and, and I, again, I'm, I'm trying to channel the listenership or the viewership um, for Air Forestry, is it like a platform as a service model where you're going to have the platform or, or, or are you really selling the drones or or is it or hire the Air Forestry team? Like looking to the future, if there's some listeners that are like, you know, I want to I want to do a trial. I want to try this thing out. Mm. What's what's that model? Are you a hardware company and selling it or are you a service provider? Or are you a mix or or what can you share on that front? Yeah, exactly. We will start by, by selling a service from Air Forestry. So you're buying the service from Air Forestry. We, we're hiring the operators uh, by Air Forestry. Uh, but in the long run, when we have that how um, the station works and runs, we, we see a solution that we can have uh, contractors like being licensed uh, to use Air Forestry's uh, products. Uh, but we will probably not sell like a drone. Here, you got a drone, take care of it the best way because it's so much automation in it. So we, we see that we probably need to own the system and more lease it out uh, for, for a contractor to, to operate or, or, or system uh, right. in the long run. But in the in short run, we will uh, like uh, provide the service by air forestry. Right, right. So, so thinking of your, your career, really obviously you're coming from a technical background. I always like to come full circle to, to that origin story, you know, as a kid, you know, with your parents and grandparents working the, the, the farm and still doing that, as you said, as your physical uh, activity. I, I sometimes joke, I need to find my wood lot so I can get more exercise than just sitting in this office chair, right? Every every single day. But thinking of young Ule and, and where you are today, is this where you thought you would be? Is this the path, you know, as you, you kind of think to younger days and, you know, we all have these dreams. Like this is some pretty leading edge, bleeding edge stuff you guys are are doing it with some hardcore engineering. Mm. Would, would you say that this this was a path you kind of saw coming young age through your studies, or is this maybe like, wow, like, uh, you know, it's so, I, I, I'm in the seat as CEO of Air Forestry, love it. Uh, but is this a surprise to you, or is this a, just a natural progression of the, the research you were doing? Uh, I think it may probably kind of natural uh, development of, of myself. Uh, I've always have have big visions and dreams, and and in some sense a little unafraid to do stuff. Uh, so so probably it would end up in something like this. Uh, but uh, so I'm 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 used to just jump out <laughs> in the unknown. Uh, so that's uh, a little in my personality, I think. So. So, but I have bleeding into my time and waiting for, for the right moment, I think. Yeah, and now it's popped up uh, when Moritz and Marcus come by with this ID, with this drone, and they have the competence to, to, to perform. Uh, and I saw all my research uh, on the school force working with, uh, with the working environment in the machines, the full battery rate and the mental stress that operators have. 
the damaging the machines do on soils and roofs and thinning operations, the energy inefficiency that the machines have, how can we electrify these, uh, and so on. And the automation challenges, it's so hard to navigate and traverse uh, off-road ground, select trees and then soft soil, and so much parameters. And, and they're like, okay, we remove all my research questions by a, by a snap by moving it up to the air. We, it's easy to fly from one point autonomously. We don't destroy the ground. We make better work environment and everything like we need to do something on this. So like if something is so important, so good, uh, even if it's really hard and unknown, you need to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, there had to be a, a moment where you thought, why didn't I think of that? You know, after all those years of research, why didn't I think to go to the air? No? Actually, I had that thought by myself. Like, can we do it from the air? Can, can we make like a zip line over the forest? Uh, how can we do it? Like, uh, set the lens and so on. But it's always come down to like, oh, it's probably too energy consumption. It's too much work. It's too much um, set up time for the systems. Uh, so like, no. Uh, and it's, well, maybe no. And then when Moritz uh, presents uh, the energy uses of this uh, battery-driven drone, it was like, now we can do it. We can we can actually lowering the energy consumption to move a certain amount of wood from forest to roadside by doing it by drone. So we can we we do this more energy efficient from the air than running on the forest floor. Yeah, yeah, so that's, incredible. That's amazing, and that was like the last piece to go all in in this type of idea. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So thinking of, of, of digital foresters who are listening, and, and as I said, it, like I don't want to portray Air Forestry Tech as so far out there because you're doing it now. But at the same time, as we think about other conversations with past guests, you, you are out there in terms of uh, you're really working on hard problems and you have the right engineering chops. I think you're, what, headcount's 21, so I'm assuming you have some investor dollars backing you and you're, you're, you're scaling uh, per se. But for those people who want to, you know, as we're looking to wind down, um, for those people who want to reach out to you, like, uh, is this a, hey, call me if you want to do a trial, if you want to buy, we're ready to go. Uh, like, what's the best way? Well, what's the state right now, I guess, in terms of you, I'll just call it taking you orders, new business orders, or taking you sales? Is Air Force you ready? Um, today and if so then how what's the next steps for someone listening who says hey I got plantations I, I need this technology now I want to try it yeah uh, so basically like easiest to connect with me is uh, using my LinkedIn uh, Yelene, uh, at LinkedIn and uh, reach out there connect to me uh, you can start from that point uh, for like private forest owners today it's an early stage we see some years in the future we can serve all, like private foresters uh, in, in the beginning now, we, we see that we will try to work with like bigger forest companies that can provide uh, bigger areas of forest to try out. It's easier to, to plan with them, uh, but we will for sure uh, delivering our service to all out there that needs to have a forest sent out in, in some manner. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's our goal, uh, to be a, a provider of uh, commercial sending operations. Um, absolutely sure. absolutely and I, and I suspect given where you are because i'm not sure i've uh, spoken to a someone like air force i assume in all this engineering there's some heavy patents that are being prepared as well to protect the investments uh and the engineering in terms of ip that you guys have generated especially so cool the the the, the drone you said with a rotated you know 
you know, uh, you know, blades. I was like, that's so cool. Like I, I did see it on the website. I was curious to know why it was designed that way. But again, as you said, your, uh, your co-founder is lots of engineering background, background there. So the last odd question I always love to ask is that when you think of yourself, uh, and, and your younger self, like if you were to give that younger Forrester and, and nowadays we're really trying to kind of brand them as digital foresters because they're coming with their smartphones, you know, their Xbox, you know, different skill sets. Is there a piece of advice you would give to the people that are listening that are younger uh, than us, maybe in some cases, way younger yeah. than us? Uh, any, <laughs> any tips or advice you'd give them? Uh, well, I, I would send, send the word like, as I mentioned earlier, like there are only possibilities, like uh, take care of them, the possibilities uh, and, uh, and dare to to embrace them um and, and for for us a younger me as i say so like uh, i have put a lot a lot of ideas behind me because other people around you are like telling like no you can't do that <laughs> why not ask yourself why can't i do that before you put the ideas uh, in, in in a drawer or a chest somewhere because the idea that that you have that you have might be the next big big thing to, to, to focus on so dare and believe in your uh, your possibilities and look look forward uh, the future come with opportunities and possibilities i will say yeah, absolutely absolutely hey it was great chatting with you you know for for our listeners hopefully you loved it as our viewers you, you can see uh Ule smiling all the time you know as he says there's only uh, opportunities you know i can tell you he means that in the most sincere way he's an entrepreneur uh pushing things forward um, so, hey, I really appreciate you, you joining me on this podcast. Super cool learning about Air Force and what you're doing and the cool technologies, the innovations, the R&D, and now commercialization work that you're doing. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, these autonomous Air Force 3 6.2 meter devices with custom harvester head roaming around. And if you ever come to Canada, let me know, because I'll be the first one to, to bring my, my lawn chair and my cooler to sit there and and help swap a battery or do whatever you need just to see this in action. My mind's blown away. So thanks so much, Ule, and I uh, really appreciate you going, uh, coming to this podcast. I'll give you parting thoughts. Any last words you wanted to, to share about Air Forestry? No, yeah, basically, like, like follow us on uh, on our homepage and LinkedIn, uh, and we, we will progress really quick. Uh, so it will be amazing. We have an amazing journey in front of us and it, we are moving fast. <laughs> so absolutely follow, follow absolutely. us. And, um, For sure. So people who want to reach out, you know, best thing, as I said, uh, LinkedIn, Ule Elin, uh, so O-L-L-E, for us North American non uh, non Swedish or Scandinavian speakers O L L E and then last name is G E L L I N. If you search for uh, Uli on uh, LinkedIn, you'll find him. And as Uli said, follow Air Force and what they're doing because there's some cool stuff coming out of that shop. So Uli, th again, thanks so much for joining us. Have an awesome day, and I look forward to meeting you in person someday soon. I hope so. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye. Stay safe.